World, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Genty Show, broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Genty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast on Fishbowl Radio and among other streams as well. My name is Jamie and it's Tuesday, September the 12th, 2023. Welcome everyone. Now, before we dive into this Cowboys and Giants game week one, even fabulous game last night, well actually Sunday night, uh, I want to send a quick prayer to uh, Aaron Rodgers. He tore his Achilles yesterday that, uh, on, I think the second play of the game. So he's completely out for the season. Um, don't know if it's a career ender, but he's out. So we won't face Aaron Rodgers when when he comes into town next week. We'll probably face Zach Wilson. Go figure, right? So many prayers to Aaron Rodgers. Now, oh, play that music. Um, so my weekend. My weekend was okay. And I was just informed that this I'm going to talk about what I was just informed of today, next week. Because next week, because what I was informed today, I want to save that for next week. But the weekend was okay. Um, You know, I, you know, just the normal rest stuff, right? Normal work stuff. Um, Watch the Cowboys game. Exciting stuff. But I'll talk about that in a second. But first, let me dive into this USA basketball. Now, I was asked last week to talk about USA basketball. Okay. The reason why I don't talk about USA basketball is because I felt like they had everything, everything all together. You know, this is going to be a dominant team. We got the right players. Then there's no LeBron or Steph. There's not anything like that. So I didn't really hone heavy on it. Even though I'm a basketball guy, I didn't really talk about that. I do I do want I do want to talk about what I watched on Sunday morning. So they played Canada in the third place game. And uh yeah, it was just terrible, man. They it was just terrible. Let me tell you how the game went. Actually, let me tell you the the reason why I watched this game. I watched this game because they, I saw I I saw highlights of them losing to to Germany. I saw Dennis Schroeder, I saw Franz Wagner Go off, beat us to death. Even though Franz Waller cannot hit a soul in the NBA, Dennis Schroeder is nowhere to be found in the NBA. Those guys there dominant killed us. Heck, even Daniel Tice killed us inside. So you talk about Germany being being limitless in the inside and the outside. But yeah, we have pieces from guard to post. We should win that game, but we lost. We lost because we got dominated. It's not about politics like y'all want 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 to talk about. It's not about politics that that we lost. You blame the USA women's team on politics because they lost. They lost because oh, they don't believe they don't believe in in USA. Bullcrap. They lost. Because they got dominated. The, Germany ran their stuff to perfection and USA could not stop it. 
Okay? Daniel Tice killed us inside. Dennis Schroeder killed us with his crossovers. Fred Wilder killed us with his cuts to the basket. That's the game I watched on YouTube last week. Now, this game on ESPN+, Plus, which, by the way, I'll talk about the merger between ESPN and Spreadsheet in a second. But, so, this game, you had Canada, you had Shea Gilgis, you had uh, Leandro Dort, you had, uh, you didn't have Jamal Murray, you had Dylan Brooks, and then you have Dwight Powell. That's Canada's entire team. Dylan Brooks, out of all players, killed us. And I didn't know that Dylan Brooks was, was, was a, a Canadian. I did not know that until I saw him on the court. You're telling me that that fool that got released from Memphis killed us with 29 points. He may have had 30 because I fell asleep in the four, third quarter. The USA was not playing well. They weren't. We don't have the right guys going to go playing on this USA team. We don't. I'm sorry. They're, they're great NBA players, but we don't have the right guys. They're not connected. Now, people say if you had LeBron, if you had Steph, if you had Dane. Well, first of all, LeBron's never going to do it because LeBron is focusing on family time. He does not get family time in the, in the regular season. Steph has a lot of promotional stuff. So if you tell me that Steph and LeBron can be on that team, yeah, we'll, we'll, of course we'll win. Of course we'll get the gold medal. But in this case, we'll, we put a, a bunch of guys together that's supposed to connect, and there was no connection at all. I did not see that. I saw Jalen Brunson go to the basket when he wants to. Anthony Edwards go to the basket when he wanted to. So it's like on possessions, right? Possession by possession. It's Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Mikael Bridges. And and heck, you can even throw uh, Walker Kessler in there. They didn't have Pablo Bencaro and and, and Jaron Jackson. That's how we got killed. We got killed by guard play with Shea Gilgis and Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks shot lights out. More power to him. I don't know why Memphis did not give him another chance. You're telling me you would rather focus on a guy that's carrying guns everywhere he goes, acting like a thug, versus a guy who just killed the U.S. with 29 points. That's developed a, a consistent uh, defensive mindset in him. Heck, I wish I would have had him on the Mavericks, but then again, I'm not the Mavericks b- brass. I don't, I, we need, the Mavericks need perimeter defense. They, they, they don't have it. They don't have it. They have low post defense. Grant Williams is going to guard you from one through five. That's the only player on that team. Well, I can say Marcus Morris, but Marcus Morris is not going to guard one. He's not going to. They're going to tell him to guard inside. So, in this case, there was no defense this game, but yet Canada had the advantage. 127 to 118. It was an NBA game, guys, in overtime, in overtime. Now, granted, USA showed some fight in this game and, and try and try to get it together, but it wasn't enough. They couldn't stop Canada's drives to the back. They couldn't stop Shea Gilgis. Dry, they couldn't uh, 
that couldn't get to Dylan Brooks just shooting outside. You would think you would adjust your defense. You would think you could go zone. Because they had no big man in there. U.S. had no – I don't – Jared Jackson and Pablo Becerra did not play this game. But you could play zone to get Dylan Brooks off the line, off the line from the three, and Shea Gilders from driving to the basket. Those are the only two guys that were killing us. I mean, I would rather take a jump shot than, than, drive, than a penetration to the basket. We played a lot of man. I don't know why Steve Kerr – Tyron Liu, Eric Sposha decided to go man. You have to play zone because your depth is limited. You don't have that depth. And now we have no medal. We have no You're telling me next year we're going to send this squad to, the, to Paris. This squad to Paris. I know LeBron and Steph are not going to play. But this squad here? I'd rather have Dame and somebody else to play to get us where we need to go. This team needs connection and defense. That's how you're going to beat these lesser teams and these international teams. Because these teams here do not have defense. Well, I'm sorry. I should have said Luthiana. They they lost to Luthiana in one of those games. But anyways, they need connection and defense. They need to know who is hot? Anthony Edwards is hot at times. He can hit like four or five in a row. But when he hits four and five in a row, you don't pass it off to uh, Jalen Brunson or Mikhail Bridges to shoot. You keep going. The defense cannot guard you. They cannot guard you. In fact, in matter of fact, these international teams don't have one or two NBA players that can defend y'all. They don't. They have a couple that 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 know the game, but yeah, they were those international teams were, were, were rely on those NBA players to lead them. Like for example, Germany relied on Dennis Schroeder and Francis Wallace to lead them. Yeah, even Canada relied on on for for those guys, Dwight Powell, Lou Angel Dor. I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. Shea Gilders Alexander and Dylan Brooks to lead them. And their head coach, who is the Sacramento Kings assistant, led them as well. Because he knows the tendencies of the NBA. He knows them. So there's no way you go to the Philippines and lay an egg like that. I'm not taking this team to Paris next year. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I can't forget about Kevin Durant. But then again... You're going to take that squad to Paris next year. If you're going to do that, we're going to lose. We're going to be out. We're going to be at home the first, the second week the Olympics has started. So stop screwing around and readdress your roster. Now that's my USA take, guys, because I I, I really didn't want to rely heavily on on USA backs. I really didn't want to. I thought, okay, maybe they had they have it in the bag. Okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe this wasn't their year. And it definitely wasn't their year. It wasn't. I didn't expect USA to win this this whole entire thing. I didn't. Because there's other teams out there that are better. And you know how you you know how the game's growing? You got international teams like uh 
Serbia, you got teams like Canada, you got teams like uh, what's it called Germany that are sending their players in the NBA to develop, and they're they're bringing that back to their country to educate their their teammates on how to beat the U.S. Dirk never did it. Dirk tried, but when Dirk was playing for Germany. He tried to play you. Then again, you had you had players, you had players, you had Kobe, you had come around, you had an all-star team filled up NBA players. But now we're sending our second to third team overseas to compete against the best. It doesn't look it doesn't look well on on paper like this. So if you ask me to support next year. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous of what type of team we're going to have next season. I know LeBron's not going to be there, even though he teased about it. I know Steph's not going to be there because Steph in the past has mentioned it. I know Dame's not going to be there, and I definitely know Kevin Durant hasn't even thought about it. So we're at, we're, we're at an impasse now. We don't know who to send. We don't know who, to, what team works. There's connection. Those teams in the past had connection. We don't. These guys do not have it. So I'm a little nervous. But anyways, to cure my nervousness, let's talk about that game on Sunday. I'm not ready to say how about them Cowboys, but 40 to nothing win against the Giants. Now, I asked my friend yesterday, my former roommate yesterday, his name is, uh, his name is, I can't remember his name. Oh, his name is Brandon. He's a Giants friend. Obviously, he lives in New York. And I asked him if he's okay. He says, I'm okay. And I gave him the emoji of Daniel Jones was, was, a, uh, was a trash can on his head. Because Daniel Jones really played that bad. And, you know, Daniel Jones, I had him on my list last year. I think he was ranked number four or number five. Yeah, I think he was ranked number four. No, he was ranked number three last year because I had Jalen Hurts number four as my breakout player list last year. I thought he broke out a little bit. Um, he's not the best quarterback out there. It showed last. Uh, it showed on Sunday night. Um, it was entirely his fault. I can't blame anybody else outside of Daniel Jones. And so now, Tinky Barber, I just heard this this morning, and Tinky Barber comes out, it was like a few weeks back, and he said Tinky Barber, well, no, I don't think it was a few weeks, I think it was like last week. Tinky Barber, this fool, said, Dan Jones, he'll rather have Dan Jones over Dak Prescott. I'm confused now. Let's play that clip, please. I'll take Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott a hundred out of a hundred times. And I think most people would agree with you. You think most people would agree with you? Most people would agree based with you. Based on last, like last year, ba- based I'd on agree with you, but over their careers, no. Based, I would, based like, on the projection of where both of these players are going. Let's do it again, please. I want, I want I'll take Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott a hundred out of a hundred times, and I think most people would agree with. You think most people would agree with it? Most people would agree. Based with on last, like last year, ba- based I'd on agree with you, but over their careers, no, based, I would. Based, based like, on the projection of where both of these players are going, 
okay, Tinky, who's agreeing with this? Who is agreeing with this crap that you favor your quarterback over Dak Prescott? I know both of them have not won anything. But I, I but for sure I would choose Dak over Daniel Jones. For the sake of fact that Dak will give me wins in the regular season, but I'm not sure in the playoffs. Daniel Jones won't give me nothing. It showed last night. You're breaking off one season, last season. We had a better record than the Giants. The Giants made the postseason as a wild card. But you're telling me you rather favor that fool over Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott is the best quarterback we, ha- we ever had wearing a Cowboys uniform ever since Troy Aikman. I'm not worried about Romo. I'm not worried about Romo. I worry about Dak. I feel like I feel like Dak is determined this year to lead us. Now, I don't know where that lead will lead us to be, where, where we're going to go. But I trust him more, under the, a thousand times better than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, if I, if I ever live in New York, I would not live in New York. But if I'm living in New York right now, and y'all listen to this podcast, you should be thinking about Dak Prescott leading, leading the NFC East. Yes, I said the NFC East. I'm not worried about Daniel I'm not worried about Sam Howell. I am a little worried about Jalen Hurts. But... I, I I care more about Dak than Dan Jones. Now, granted, I watched Dak have bad games. I watched Dak have fabulous games. Of course, you know, the interceptions to me are concerning. You know, I, and I hope he banks on his word that he's not going to throw a, a, more than 10. I said 14. More than 10 is the, the limit. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to bank on more than 10. So with that being said, your quarterback, your New York, Brandon, if you're listening out there, you should be concerned. You should be concerned about Daniel Jones and, and where he's going to lead you. He ain't going to lead you to anywhere. He'll lead you to the couch. Dak with the right pieces around him, which we do right now, will lead you to, to, to the championship. I'm not sure this year because the other teams are fighting for that same goal. It's too early to tell. And I hate the promos you hear around the city. This city. Well, I'm going to talk about it later. Let me, let me say on this quarterback sl- sl- cycle. <sighs> Dak Prescott was not at his best this game. Only because the the deep, the, the offense was not on the field too much. He only went 11, 13 for 24 for 143. He wasn't really on the field that much. He missed, of course, he missed some throws, of course, that he would have that. Of course, it's the first game. He hasn't played since the playoff game. So that's what? That's like nine, that's like eight months ago that he, that he last picked up a football. He played a real game. So he was a little rusty to me. It was rusty, but I can't say he had a great performance. I can't say that. But then again, you got to have the right. You got to have. Well, if Dak were to lead us, you got to have the right mindset to make those throws in, in, on crucial, in crucial situations. 
which in this case, we didn't have any crucial situations. We just, you know, we just ran the ball, and that was it. I think they were on the field for a total of 20 minutes. The game time is like, what, 30? I'm sorry, it's like 60 minutes? Honestly, it felt like 20 to me. But then again, my number's off. My numbers, my, my numbers are not always off, but I know that when I watched the game again, I was like, okay, they're not on the field as much. I mean, they're putting drives up together, but this team wasn't on the field that much, and that's okay. I think they were feeling the offense, the, 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 offense, the Texas Coast offense that they call it, of Mike McCartney's offense, him calling the plays, and him doing – a decent job calling it. I mean, I mean, I, I really, I really am concerned of where they put Turpin. I think they put Turpin on where on the slot too much. I really want him to play to play one position, but then again, they may have something, some trick play in the works. Which, to me, I want. I'm always a one position guy. Whenever you fit on the offense, on the defense, you should stay where you're at. And for Turpin's sake, you're not fooling anyone by lining up on the slot. Remember, you're only 5'9". You're not going to kill anyone driving a deep post or drive. or You'll kill people by, by with your speed. You'll kill people in the backfield. But I don't want you – I don't want the Cowboys' offense – to be surrounded by Turpin line up in the backfield or in the slot. I don't want that. I mean, I would like to see more of uh, Tolbert. I want to see more of Gallup lining up in the slot. Running crossing rounds, running a deep slant. I want to see that. I think that will make the throws easy on the deck, depending on, depending on what the defense does. Make it easy on him. And then again, you got to have tight ends that can catch. Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot dropped, well, Peyton Hendershot dropped the touchdown pass in the end zone. Jake Ferguson dropped the touchdown pass. Well, not a touchdown pass. He dropped the first down pass. So, to me, I can't blame that on Dak. I can't blame it on Dak. But there's not, there wasn't a lot of negatives in this game. The only negatives was that the offense, I didn't see much of it, uh, uh, of it. My only my concern was Turpin lining up wherever he needs to line up at. To me, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm sorry. Number two, the running back taking over. Now we're going from Zeke Elliott, who was the running back, the main running back on this team for seven years, to Tony Pollard. Now he has his full term role. Tony Pollard had 14 carries for 70 yards and two touchdowns. It's his team now. He ran the holes, holes hard. And again, we are running. We're always going to be a running football team. Um, I do want to see Tony Pollard get at least 20 carries. At least 20. I don't know which game would that be, but I do think 20 carries would be nice. This game wasn't going to be that game because because I've seen Lawrence and Leonard Williams uh, um, goes block the A, the the B and C gaps. So there wasn't enough 
running room in this game. Because those two were blocking those gaps, as you can see on film. And so, for me, the reason why I say 20 carries is because we're always going to be a running football team. And you're not going to have two interior big line defensive men that are going to clog up the a, a the B and C gaps. You're not going to do that unless you have unless you're going to have great blocking, which the Cowboys had decent blocking at times. But then again, Dak didn't wasn't sacked, so that's a good thing. Um, I want them to open up the holes a little bit more for Pollard to run and create space. Uh, when Tony Pollard was out there on the field every play, I think he was getting like a four to five runs a game. Every time he was out there, he did his thing. He did his thing in this game. And it, and if we had to rely on Tony, Tony Pollard getting those carries, I would want that. I want that because I think, I think it's going to get higher as we go. As this team's continue, as we block better, which we didn't block better in this game because, you know, obviously you got Leonard Williams and, again, blocking the gaps. We got to, if you, you can't take it outside because their the defense is fast. You might run to some slow defensive linemen or out of place defensive players that are going to give you the outside or the inside edges. So we got to take what was what we have. Unfortunately. Number three. Now the Cowboys made some huge plays. Okay. Now, I did not rely heavy on this guy. I even can't, being an African man myself, I don't, I can't pronounce his name. Um, I'm going to let the broadcasters talk uh, talk about his name, and then we'll go on the other side. We'll talk about it on the other side. Let's hear from Noah Igbadi's touchdown special teams, please. I'll take Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott 100 out of 100 times. And I think most people would agree. You think most people agree? Graham Gano, the veteran, 36 years old. Great breakthrough by Thomas, who blocked it. And Ikbenogany has it for Dallas. Noah Ikbenogany stays in bounds. And the Cowboys special teams gets the first score of the year. Touchdown, Dallas. Just acquired from Miami at the end of the preseason. No. Let's hear that name again, please. Graham Gano, the veteran, 36 years old. Great, great through by Thomas, who blocked it. And Ikbenogany has it for Dallas. Noah Ikbenogany stays in bounds. And the Cowboys special teams gets the first score of the year. Touchdown, Dallas. All right, so you heard, you heard Noah Igbigadi. That's how you pronounce the name. Uh, get that first score. So shout out to Wanye Thomas, man. Shout out to him for creating that play and getting that first touchdown for Noah Igbigadi. Again, I really, I think that that happened after this show when he got traded from Miami to the Cowboys for Kelvin Joseph. Now, 
Now, remember, remember that Kelvin Joseph was used for special teams on this team. Noah Igbiyabi is is that guy on special teams, and so I was very surprised that that happened. Um, I thought it was an easy an easy score for the Giants because Graham Gano is no joke. Um, that changed the whole game. That literally changed the whole game. And it shifted the momentum to the Cowboys so the entire game. Because the Giants couldn't get anything offensively. I mean, their, their defense wasn't that bad. It was just they were on the field too much. And when you're on the field too much, everyone considers you as a bad defensive team. And I don't think that that's the case on the Giants' side. It was just one play. One play that changed the whole trajectory of the team, of the game. That special teams touchdown by Noah Igbigagabi changed the whole aspect of the team. And now, you talk about the offense scoring. How about the special teams? The special teams don't get no love in this game. They don't get any, any love whatsoever. So I thought it, it was a huge play. And I thought this other one was. Now, it actually plays into my number four point about the Cowboys defense. So let's play that clip of Deron Bland getting an interception. They consider it as an interception, but but to me it was a fumble. So because Trayvon came with the hit, but <laughs> but Deron Bland got the got the pat got the ball and the interception. So let's play that clip, please. Jones gets it out. Barkley got hit. Fumbled right in the air. And it flies into the hands for a touchdown of Durant Bland. So now they count that. This, me personally, I would count that as a fumble. Because Saquon did fumble. He got hit hard. Uh but the stats said it's an interception. I don't know how that was, but they, they gave Daniel Jones an interception. So it is what it is. But let me tell you the defense. We got a great defense, guys. There was no surprise there that the Giants did not score anything at all. No, Well, actually, I was surprised. But then again, I can't blame it on the weather. Because I know that the weather did play a little bit of a factor, but I can't blame it all at all. We were just ready. Oh, play that music, please. We were just ready. We were just ready from the start. We were just ready from the get-go. And the defense from Michael Parsons to uh, Chauncey Goldstein to Osa Digazula to Doris Armstrong to... Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, all of them have sacks. All of them. Stephon Gilmore had an interception. And 108 total yards. So you're telling me that this team that went nine, no, I think they won 10 games last year. 10 and 7 last year. Right? Daniel Jones gets a four year, $160 million contract. Saquon gets a year contract, which could turn to something big one day. Then they have no name receivers. 
You only receive is your tight end, Darren Waller. Then you have a defense that is suspect. And now you hold that team to zero points and 108 yards total of offense. That's a great day for the Cowboys. Now, granted, I am concerned. There's always concern. Yes. My only concern on the defensive side is how does Micah Parsons adjust? Now, Micah Parsons creates a lot of attention. He created a lot of attention in this game. Now, I did talk about it, talk to someone about it last uh, yesterday, and I watched the game, and he was double teamed a couple of times. When Saquon ran for seven yards in the first play, Michael took took the inside gap. Instead of staying in his lane, staying home, he took the inside gap to get the. He's always thinking quarterback first, then the runner second. So for me, I would like to see Micah, for me, or anybody else that plays pass rush, Sam Williams, anybody else, I would like to see you guys stay home on defense. Again, it depends what it depends who is in, in the backfield on the other side. Saquon is on the backfield on the other side. He ran for seven yards. That's the only play I have a concern about. It's not a big deal, but I would like to stay home on defense so I can make those plays. So I can hold the Giants to longer, uh, longer possess, to longer, um, like a, like a second and five even or a second and eight, Lo- longer field uh, first down, first down, so that. I know I can get off the field on third down, on third and eight, or on a third and six. That's the only concern. But other than that, it looks good. It looks fabulous. We could be the best defense in, in, in Cowboys history. And nothing like that in NFL history. But then again, every game is different. Every game is different, guys. And... There's games where, in this case, the defense saved the defense led us. There's cases where the offense has to lead us as well. But if the, we can buy, if we combine the two, we 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 have a chance. We have a chance of becoming the best team, the best defense ever, ever, ever. And it only gets better from here. Now, my final take is 40-0. Now we play the Jets again Jets next week. We have they have no Aaron Rodgers. He's out, like I said. He's out with a torn Achilles. It's going to oh man. I just hope it's not a career ender for Aaron Rodgers. You know as much as I don't like his off the field stuff, as much I hate as he killed us in 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 his Packer days, as much as he did that, I don't want to see a Hall of Famer get injured like that. And it's unfortunate, but it's reality. It's what we got to do. Um, the Jets still have a chance, but I don't know. We just got to see what happens. Now, that's a defense. 
I didn't read too much on the on the Jets last night, but I am gonna go watch tape and I will give you little snippets on it when I um, talk about it when I when I get time to online during the week. So, with that being said, is this Super Bowl worthy? I want Stephen A. to tell you Cowboys fans what he thinks about it and how he disrespects your fans. And we'll talk about that after this clip plays. Let's play that clip, please. We all all know know. I'm I'm no no Cowboys Cowboys fan, but But over the years, my disgust for the the Dallas Dallas Cowboys Cowboys have very little to do with the Cowboys themselves. It's that disgusting, nauseating fan base that gets on my last damn nerves. Y'all just make me sick. I'm not going to lie. I can't stand y'all asses. I just can't. And I mean that affectionately. I know that the Dallas Cowboys have arguably the best defense in football. But you see, this is the thing that annoys me. You've had back-to-back 12 and 5 seasons as a Dallas Cowboy. Y'all walk around acting like y'all Super Bowl champions. Y'all make me sick. I'm talking about Cowboy fans. I love that photo right there. That's why that's my favorite footage right there. When y'all lost last year to the 49ers in the playoffs, <laughs> that's me showing it on first take by showing ESPN. Look at that sister right there. She looking at you. Y'all ain't worth shit. Look at him crying like a wuss. Look at him. This brother, that wasn't even his girl. That wasn't even his girl, okay? And that brother was right there. And he got busted by his girl, by the way, who said that wasn't me and she dumped him. You ain't winning no damn Super Bowl. Stephen A., let me tell you something. You're absolutely right. You are right. You can't win a Super Bowl for one game. So now... I want to hear, I want to tell fans there's a lot of season games to play. There's a lot. And I also want to tell people the radio stations, the hip hop stations, the, uh, the top 40 stations, whatever station you listen to out there, y'all need to stop with your noise. Y'all need to stop with your Cowboys. Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. Because that shit like that. He's going to make fun of us. As you heard on that clip. You hear it everywhere. I hear it every all the time. 979 to B. Y'all need to stop. Y'all need to stop hyping up your fans to say, oh, because, okay, the Cowboys won 40 to nothing. The Cowboys have the best record in the NFC that, that, that would automatically land us in the Super Bowl as the season ends. No. There's many steps to get to to, to in order to reach that ultimate goal. We haven't even reached the NFC Championship game. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it's been over the last 27 years. Oddly enough. I mean, I'm pretty sure my man Angelo has heard it everywhere. Everywhere. And I'm like, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed because I don't, I don't, I, I, I see other teams shine. I seen it. I mean, when I when I seen the scores of the end of, of week one scores, it, it didn't impress me. 
Arizona versus Washington. I don't know what happened that game. I know that I know for a fact that Wash that Arizona is a horrible team to play. It's a horrible team in their division. You have a quarterback that does not care. But then again, Washington, you have another quarterback that is starting off. And I disagree. I, I, I disagree with Hartman starting, but it is what it is. But anyways, we got to stop, guys. It's just one game. We got to relax. I'm pretty sure I saw on the messenger board on the Dallas Cowboys group page on their fan page that said, hey, we're one. How about them Cowboys? Yes, 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 yes. Great. Yes, 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 yes. But remember, there's 16 games left. We got one game at a time. We can't play like this every single game. I'm not anticipating us playing like this every single game. There's going to be dogfights. We, we got to come back from things. Of course. Of course, you know, we're not going to be at, at our best. We got to win ugly. In the NBA, a team can give up 130 points, but another team can score 140. We, that's winning ugly. We gotta have. We gotta win ugly. These days, we're not gonna be perfect. I mean, it'll be it'll be nice. It'll be nice to be undefeated. It'll be nice to get to the NFC Championship game. It'll be even better to get to the Super Bowl. But we gotta remember, it's Week One. Did you see the Chiefs on Thursday night? What did they do? They laid an egg. They were missing two guys. And now it's reality. Detroit said, you know what? We don't care about your championship rings. We want to come in and ruin your party. Just like we want to we wanna mess up your house. Which they did. Which the Cowboys sake, I'm not saying Super Bowl anymore. I yes, I used to be though that type of guy. Until I said it's 2020. My mindset changed in 2020. I said, we need to be patient. Because this is a one of a year type of thing. Every year is different. It just happened to be a 40 and nothing game for the Dallas Cowboys versus the Giants. Now, granted, we played them again, and it's not going to be like this. The Giants are going to score some points. They're going to make some defensive plays. Daniel Jones won't get sacked seven times, which, by the way, if you're a fitness guy like me, you get hit seven, you get hit, what, 15 times? You get pressure, you get hit, well, actually not hit, well, you got pressure 15 times, you got hit seven times, you're not working out till Wednesday. It is because you want to be an idiot like me, you're going to work out the next day. So I'm not in Daniel Jones' shoes. Daniel Jones, I can, I can, I, 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 I can feel you, bro. I can understand not having a great offensive line. I can understand you got to depend on a line that's inconsistent, that, that's not connected enough. I can understand younger players on that line that you have to trust for, to protect your ass. But they're not protecting you, Daniel. You got to find ways to protect yourself. You got to run away whenever the ball was snapped. You're literally running away. You're literally running away. So you're going to fit, you're feeling it now. And then yet you're going to be ready for the next game. I think it's against Arizona. I'm not sure. But you, you expect to be ready next game? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. There was no injuries this game, so thank God for that. No injuries, so I want to keep it that way. Uh, and then the offense. So I already had my one concern on the defense. My other concern is the tight ends. You got to have your tight ends. You got to have your tight ends to, to catch the ball. Everybody in the league has a, has a good tight end. Darren Wall is a good tight end for the Giants. We need our tight ends to catch the ball. Our tight ends to catch the ball. Excuse me. We need tight ends like Peyton Hendershot. We need tight ends like Jake Ferguson to catch the football when it's given to them. We need that from them. So, we just got to see what happens, guys. But the next game's the Jets. I'm excited. I'm interested to see what happens. Now, moving on before we take our next break, which is about in 15 minutes. Moving on, because I really want to talk about the WNBA playoffs. I really want to dwell some time into talking about the playoffs. Because I'm not going to let y'all forget the ladies. I will not let y'all forget uh, forget about WNBA players. Do not forget about WNBA players. Just because college football, the NFL is on, doesn't mean you can forget about that. And I'm not going to let you do that. But let's talk about college football, okay? We're talking about the Texas teams only, okay? They played games this weekend. And uh, there's games I, that I was impressed by, and there's games I wasn't impressed by. So let's start with the bad news. And then we'll go to the good news. Let's start with North Texas versus FIU. Now, I try not to talk about it, but then again, I have to talk about it. Because this was, this, this was an awful performance. We lost 46-39 to a, a, a useless FIU team. What do they have that makes them dangerous? What do they have? They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a running back. They don't even have receivers. They don't even have a defense. Y'all made them good this game. Y'all want play, play that music. Oh, it is? <laughs> Sorry. Y'all want to sit there and say we're the best team in the league. Who gets that notion? FIU sitting there and dancing with, with their 1,500 fans. They have nothing in that game, in, in that in that arena. I've been, I, I went there. Now, I didn't go to FIU, but I played a game there, and it was just quiet as a mouse, basketball-wise. It was back in 2011 I was there. There was nothing there, guys. What do you achieve when you go to FIU? What do you achieve? Nothing, right? You don't have anything to achieve from. But now you get to um, now you get to North Texas. Let me read you some stats. Chandler Rogers came in in the third quarter. He came in third quarter was a uh, was like a, I think it was like eleven twenty left in the third quarter. He went eleven for fifteen for two hundred one and two touchdowns. Stone Earl he was a starting quarterback. He went ten for twenty for ninety six yards and a touchdown, two interceptions, which one of them became a pick six. So, there's no quarterback competition here. I don't know where John Cephas came, got this notion from, because he was doing the broadcast along with AJ Ricketts. They did okay, they did an, an okay job. 
But then again, we don't have a quarterback competition. You see out there our quarterback, our quarterback who, who should have started game one, comes in and leads a drive. A six-play, what was it? Um, a six-play, I think it was like a 70, oh, a six-play, 71-yard drive was under two, was two minutes. For two minutes, he led that drive. That's when he came in. It was 11-20 left in the third quarter. And he led the team from there. He almost led the team back, but then again, our defense failed us. I was failing the defense in a second. But then we had no quarterback competition. Stone Earl is not ready for this moment. He is not ready. He sat behind Austin Awning last year, trying to learn from the best. But yet, you learn from the worst. But then again... You know, you're sitting behind a guy that that only cared about his age last year. That only cared about turning the ball over. But you had two turnovers this game. You're the one that we that 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 got us out of that that we weren't driving the ball. I mean, granted, we were lucky enough to punt once, so that's so I guess I can give him that. We punt once, but then again. Stoner was not hitting his targets. That's why he went 11, 10 for 20. Chandler Rogers was. He was making the right reads. He was running when he when he when he needed to. Stoner can do the same thing, but he cannot throw the ball to save his life. He can't. That's why you went with Rogers in the second half, because he knew you could lead the team back. We needed a spark. Eric Morris. Our spark is our passing game. Unfortunately, we don't have the receivers. Our spark is our passing game, and we don't have the running game, too. Our running game is garbage right now. I can't blame on the running game, but our running game, we don't have the offensive line. Uh, we have new guys on the offensive line that has, that has not played with played together. This era of transfer, transfer forward, portal is killing us. We cannot find... The, the decent offensive line to connect with each other. We don't have that. If they can't connect, our running game is going to be garbage. If And also, Stone Earl and Chandler Rogers have to run for their life. Which Chandler, I, I focus more on Rogers versus Earl because I know Rogers can get me 10 to 12 yards a game with his running. But passing... He can give me that too. Keep him in the pocket. That's why I'll say the other defense. But if FIU did not do that, FIU, you you put the game in FIU's hands. They're going to run with it. That's what North Texas did. And so defensively, that's my number two point. Defensively, we gave up 223 yards. Including a running back that had 101 yards on 10 carries and three touchdowns. What's his name? K.J. Owens. Oh, he killed us. Three touchdowns on 101 yards. We can't tackle. We don't have scheme. We have nothing on defense. We can make all the tackles in the world, but... When they get, when players get to the second level, they're dangerous. They kill us. And then you got their quarterback. 
Jawan Jenkins, 24-32 for 291. A touchdown, two He didn't play well. He did not play well. Those are not great numbers by a great quarterback. He does. He can't. This team cannot. You can't tell. You can't tell me that we lost to this team. You cannot tell me that. This team's not that great, guys. They're horrible. They're garbage. We made them great for one night, for one night, in front of their fifteen hundred fans, for one night. And if you see the stat that had over twenty thousand people that attended this game, you're wrong. That's what. That's the stat I saw yesterday. Because I thought. Well, they make ESPN's making FIU look good. They're adding more people to the stands. But at, at FIU, how do you add more people to the stands when nobody watches their football team? Where they haven't even gone anywhere in God knows how many years. And then you got people who went to FIU talk about the growth to success. How many times are you going to talk about that every single year? How many times are you going to talk about that when it's actually going to happen? How many times? It's a year-by-year basis. I understand. I get it. But we got to stop. We got to be honest with ourselves about FIU and North Texas. North Texas is, is not there because I said to myself, this is a transition year. We're transitioning from a mediocre coach to a coach that doesn't know what he's talking about. A coach that failed on his word. That's why this team is it, it is is horrible right now. This team doesn't have a defensive guru that can get off the field on third down. You're talking about third and sixteen. Third and well, yeah, it was third and sixteen, and they complete a twenty-five yard pass play that led them to a touchdown. We were down by eleven at that point. No, actually, you know what? That was the game winner. That was the game where they, they scored that touchdown. Owen scored that touchdown. No, actually, what? No, yeah, he scored that touchdown. Then the quarterback ran in for two. So you're telling me that one big play, we had them on third down. And then that catch at Bush, it was a wonderful catch. You can't, I mean, it was good defense. Don't get me wrong, it was good defense, but it was a great catch. I just wish we had more pressure on the quarterback. That's all. That's all. And now, I asked the coach, what's your message for this week? What is your message this week leading up to Law Tech? You can't sit there, lay back, and say we're a great team. And say we make all these mistakes. We got to see it in practice that you're serious enough. You know, I watched Colorado, and I watched all the all the negativity they're getting right now from these people that that want to trash their own. Yes, I'm talking about Jason Woodlock. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to every anybody else that trashes Coach Prime in his program. They're two and zero because they care. They're two and zero because everybody he holds his players to the highest standards. Okay, you gave up 42 points to TCU, but you gave Nebraska 14 points. Big difference. You made adjustments during the week. You care about the game. You care about the kids. He's the only coach in the league, in college football, one of the only coaches that care about the team, that doesn't let this fly. North Texas has not cared. 
We give money and money and money to build this program. We gave money to the head coach. And for two games, you don't care. For two games, you gave Warfield's opponents a total of 104 points. So that's what equals to what? If I could do math in my head, it equals to 52 points that you got. your offense is giving up to Warfield's teams. Teams that, that will not make it out of their conferences. That California and FIU will not make it out of their conferences. You gave those teams an average of 52 points. You don't give out. You probably give Alabama 100 points if you're playing against Alabama. If we're if we're if we're being honest, if we're being honest with, with ourselves. But then again, I'm holding Eric Morris to a higher standard. I'm holding I'm holding him accountable because this coach needs to step up. The players need to need to buy in. The players are not buying in right now. I know this because I see the body language better than the fans perspective and this is not a great product it is not a great product on the field they made good plays but at the end of the day this is not a great product it's not I'm sorry well I'm not sorry but it has to change I want to change and with that change I have a question that I can ask not only to North Texas, I can ask to Texas A&M as well. What value do you have in Texas A&M? What value do you have in North Texas? I know for sure that Texas has value. But let me talk about Texas value in a second. What value does A&M have is that A&M has no value. You hired an offensive coordinator to run your offense. He's a good offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. But yet, you don't have the defense, coach. You never address that defensive end. You never address the defense. You address it against New Mexico because New Mexico is a cupcake team. Of course, everyone's going to beat cupcake teams. But, 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 but. I said but like five times. But, your defense sucks. You have no, you can't. You can't allow Miami to run all over y'all. Catch the ball, have the quarterback throw five touchdown passes on Miami's side, and beat y'all. Every year, A&M goes through the same shit. Every year. First of all, you can't beat Alabama. First of all, you can't beat the top teams in the SEC. And then when it comes to teams like Miami and Ashton State last year, you can't beat them. You can't play against them. So what value do you have? You constantly criticize Texas. Texas cares. Texas goes into the drawing board every offseason and draw a plan to beat Alabama. Y'all say y'all can't even win the second game. Y'all can't even go 2-0 for that matter. That's why I, I, I question I question your fan base. I question the students that buy into Texas A&M. What value do you all have? I'm going to ask that question again. What value, value is there at Texas A&M? What, what is there? When I watch TV, I've ne- I never been to their campus, but I, when I see it on TV, I see nothing. I see a bunch of guys give a bunch of yards to useless teams 
But yet, when it comes to the SEC, they can't win a leg. But when they want to address something, they never address it. Like, I'm not a fan of Bobby Petrino at all. I'm not a fan of him. I hate his, I hate I hate him. I hate his guts. I have I hate everything about Bobby Petrino. Good offensive mind, but can he produce? Can he get the plays off correctly? And then you get a quarterback that I have never heard of. He played he played he played his heart out this game, but it wasn't enough. So you guys have nothing on that roster. You have nothing at AM. Texas only had to do it in two years. I'm sorry, in two seasons to beat Alabama. And now I feel like they're they're not back. Let's not start hyping that train up. They're not back. Just because you beat Alabama, just because you were close to them last year, doesn't mean you're back. It doesn't mean that at all. So it takes a while for you to come back. And so, but I, 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 I like t- Texas's chances in the SEC. Now, they're not going to win the SEC, but I do think they can compete with the teams in the SEC. Outside of Georgia, they cannot. But was Alabama? Probably so. And I want, I want Nick Saban to understand that that these teams are coming, Nick. They're coming. They don't care about Alabama's success over the over the years. They care about they they they're coming for you. The only motivation they have is is that they can beat y'all every single year. You don't have the players. The players do want to come to Alabama, but but then again, it takes a while to groom Alabama, well, the standard of Alabama. It takes a while. They're not going to get it firsthand, but your run of success it is, to me, is over. To me, in the col- and I'm talking about in the college football playoff, it's over. I'm not going to pencil Texas in the college football playoff because we, get, we still got a season to go. <clears throat> Texas has got a, a tough Big 12 schedule. They're not going to breeze through the Big 12. They may lose a game or two in the Big 12, but they're not going to breeze through it. I do want to see them in the Big 12 championship game. I do want to see them that, there. But then again, there's going to be losses in between. But Alabama, this is huge. You sat the quarterback five times, and then what else did you do? Quinn Earls. 20 years, 24 for 38, 349, three touchdowns, and no turnovers on the road. No turnovers on the road. Are you telling me this quarterback did not turn the ball over on the road? Man, wow. That's huge. Because most quarterbacks throw an interception or fumble the ball or something. Something happens. And then that's that, that that's how they lose in Alabama. In this case, Coon Ayers was like, Nah, bro. I we're gonna lead us. You 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 gonna torch Alabama's defense. You gonna do though three hundred, almost three hundred fifty yards, and then you're going to throw three touchdown passes and not get sacked. Wow, that's a win. That is a win. 
and Quinn Errors is the court, right quarterback on this team. He is the right quarterback on this team. Because when he he saw Archmanny come outside, his job was on the line. But you play well like this, you have a job for life at Texas. So that's why I value Texas over AM. They get the job done. AM screws around. It does not get the job done. So I hate the fact to tell you this, AM fans. Your team is not going anywhere for years. And I think you have to fire Jimbo Fisher. You got to clean house. You got to clean house for y'all to be relevant again. If you keep that house dirty, then it's never going to be clean. The AD will not come in and clean up your mess. Now, like anything else in society, if you if the fan if an alumni comes out and says we don't want Bobby Petrino as our offensive corner, we heck we don't even want Jamal Fisher as our as our coach, then the uh, the AD has to take account of what the alumni is saying because the alumni donates money to the player scholarships or donates money to build a new stadium or donates money to get everything. So their money's valued. And I don't agree with it, but I feel like I feel like AM has to change. They gotta change trajectory. They gotta change, period. May not change the players, but you gotta change the coaching staff. And it starts with those two two guys. Jim Official and Bob Petrino. Now, guys, that's it for my takes on the college football and the, and, and the Dallas Cowboys at the NFL. We're going to see what happens next week. Now, I will never let y'all forget the, about the ladies on this show. But coming up next, let's talk about the WNBA playoffs. Let's preview that on my side. And which team, which team has the easiest path in the first round? Let's talk about it next. It's Fistful Radio's Beyond the Game.
always on time. I pick you up, come outside, take you for a ride. Body like December, it's summertime. Take off the top, sweet Caroline. Meet my jeweler, put ice on that. Two diamond chains, what's the price on that? When you work, what you work, I invest in that. Yeah, itty bitty waist, put your so fat. Let me slide in and Wayne Gretzky. Let me see it bounce like a jet ski. Hey, I know you wishing he was like me. Like late night, calling me for some good. You take a shot, we intoxicated. Tastes so sweet, like the rapper, baby. She never was a freak, and she said you made me forever, forever, ever. Juicy baby. Beyond the Gay Podcast on Fishbowl Radio. My name is Shane again. So, uh, I told y'all before the break, I would not let y'all forget about the ladies. Let's play that song. So, with that being said, everyone, here is my previews for the WNBA playoffs. Let's start with the Scott Link versus Scott Suns. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. My, this is a series where I do think that uh, Minnesota has an advantage. I don't like the fact that Doka Yuhas is playing up top. 
having to dribble the ball around to pass it to one of the guards. My only concern for Minnesota is they don't have a point guard. Unless Lindsay Allen's healthy, healthy, then she's their only point guard. Other than that, you have shooters like uh, Rachel Beck, Rachel Beckham. You have you have Kevin McBride. You have Nafisa Collar. You have uh, Jessica Shepard. You have Millage. You have you have depth. But my Minnesota's concern is their point guard. You got to have a point guard that pushes the ball down the court, which they don't have. They don't have one. So it's concerning for me that if I choose Minnesota to win this series, it's got to be based on the FISA call her. We got to get her going. If she scores 20 plus points, Minnesota wins this series. But my but my dark horse for Minnesota is U-Hawks. Now, U-Hawks has to play like a veteran this game. I know she's a rookie, but she's got to play a veteran in this series. If she gets a double-double, a double, double, let's say a double-double. I'm not going to say 20 points. Let's say a double-double, right? If she averages a double-double in this series every game, they win the series. They win because I don't think Connecticut has the size to rebound with U-Hawks or Jessica, and Jessica Shepard. And Jessica Shepard. That Brianna Jones injury is key. It's huge. Because it adds another big person, a big, uh, a big girl to their depth, to their lineup. Now I'm relying on Olivia Nilsa Doda, who gets into foul trouble a lot, who can't use her hands properly to, to be that dominant big man. Otherwise, I go with Alyssa Thomas as being the number five, which that's not a bad option either. But I do think rebounding plays a huge part in this series. I know Connecticut does not have that. You're not going to see a Bond, a Dewana Bond, go get a rebound. You may see Alyssa Thomas grab ball every rebound possible, and that's okay too, because she cares about the game. Like I said, Stephanie White is putting more, uh, more uh, Olivia Nessa Doda in the game for rebounding purposes, not for scoring, for rebounding. So she knows that she's limited in the front line. She knows that. So, Brianna Jones is huge. She's not going to play in this series, but she is huge. And she, they're going to miss that. They will miss that. Now, on Connecticut's side, if you talk about offense, Dewana Bonner, they need someone to attack the basket. They need someone to attack. The, outside of, uh, of Alyssa Thomas, they need someone to attack the basket. Because I feel like Minnesota is going to get Bonner off the three. Now, Bonner's going to try to shoot it. But I need somebody in Connecticut to drive the basket. Could it be Tiffany Hayes? Could it be uh, Natasha Heidemann? Could it be uh, Dijanette Carrington? Somebody to drive the basket. Go downhill. Because that's what Nafisa Carr will do. That's what Kayla McBride will do. They will drive. We need Connecticut to drive if they're going to go, if they're going to win this series. So I feel like, I feel like they will drive. I feel like Connecticut is, 
they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Now, Minnesota's not a good road team. They're not a good road team. But Connecticut will rely on those fans to pump them up for this series. Now, I think I think the format's 3-5-5. I think it is. I think it is. Like, the WMA is always changing their format every single year to make themselves look good. I don't know why they do that. But they're always going to change their format to make themselves look good. They want to... They want to get the audience rolling like guys like this man over here and also people to get them engaged. So I think it's three, five, five. I could be wrong. But anyways, so I'm going to say my main key is a series is rebounding. Who get, who gets the most rebounds? Now in the offensive end, who drives the basket more? Minnesota or Connecticut? Because like I said, for Connecticut, the three-point shots are going to be there. Minnesota's not going to help off. They're going to stay home, basically. They're not going to help off because they know they can't keep, they can't have, they can't have a guard get out of the game. I, I'm, Tiffany Mitchell is their point guard if Lindsey Allen can't go. They try to put Ray, Rachel Beckham to play to play point guard, but Rachel Beckham is a shooter, and she knows she's a shooter. It's just that Cheryl Reeves is going to put her in awkward positions on the court, which she has to accept. It's okay. She has to accept it. But but in this case, when you don't have a point guard, you have to accept your role, and that's what um, that's what uh, Re- Rebecca Beckham is going to, going to accept. So in this case, I'm going to give it to Connecticut in three games. I say three games because the fans, the fans will get Connecticut going. So I'm going to say Connecticut in three. So I'm going to write down rebounding will be key. And then also Connecticut in, in, in three games. Who gets the most rebounds? Rebounds. Who shoots the better percentage? Not from three. Because somebody's got to drive to the basket. Like I said, for Connecticut, from the Connecticut, the three-point shots are going to be there. It's just that, is Minnesota willing to play help defense? That's another question. Is Minnesota willing to play help defense? That remains to be seen. So, number two. Let's go to the Sky versus the Aces. Now, I... Everybody has sweep on it with Las Vegas. Las Vegas winning this is, is sweet. But let's not undermine Chicago. You got to remember. The Aces have been struggling lately, guys. Have you not heard? If it not wasn't for those two games against the Mercury, the Aces would have been off and running. But the Aces have been a little bit of a struggle. Okay? Chicago. Chicago is hot and cold. Chicago shows up when it when, when it counts, and they don't show up when it doesn't. So in this case, if Chicago's going to show up to Las Vegas, Chicago has to do one or two things. Chicago has to shoot the ball well. So that means their men range shots from Courtney Woods to Marina Mayberry to Kalea Copper. They got to shoot the ball well from the outside. Not talking about three. They got, they're not a good three-point shooting team. But they got to shoot well. 
in the mid range to get themselves going in the game. Also, who's defending AJ Wilson? Do I go with Elizabeth Williams? Do I go with Alana Smith? Or do I go with the field with Ruthie Herbert and Sune, Sune Kue? I'm, I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that word correctly, name correctly. Now remember, Sune Kue is 20 years old. She has not developed the game yet. But give her the offseason to do that, then it will happen for her. Elizabeth Williams, Alana Smith. I'm not I'm not gonna focus more on Alana Smith because she's horrible defensively. Because if you're guarding against Asia, Asia Wilson, you gotta remember, Asia Wilson is gonna post you up all day long and she's going to get to her spots. Her spots are within the mid paint. So you gotta keep her off her spot for, for Chicago's sake. For Chicago's sake, you gotta keep her off the spot. Keep her out of the spot. Y'all are y'all win this series. Y'all win it. Y'all, AJ's gonna get her own. She's gonna get her own. But keep her off that spot. She becomes less of an option. Now the Aces will focus on more Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray. You fo- if you're gonna force, if you go force Wilson out of their spot, they can go to option two, option three, possibly option four. Option four is the bench. That's the bench play of uh, Alicia Clark. And whoever they decide to bring on, like it could be like uh, Sidney Colson, it could be um, Kayla George, it could be those three players, or it could be uh, it could be Kristen Bell. If Kristen Bell focuses on basketball, let me say this again: if Kristen Bell is your option four, she has to focus on basketball. Period. That means. Not every three-point shot on the catch is there for you. You may have to drive it a little. You may have to go inside a little bit. You may have to drive a little bit to get your shots. So in this case, if Kristen Bell wants to be option part of the option four, then then you got to take the three-point out because I'm pretty sure this guy want to defend it well and have a second gear to drive to the basket. Which I haven't seen. But then again, this is a series for you to do it. But for the Aces, me personally, the Aces, this is not an easy series for them. I'm not going to say it's, 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 a, it's a shutout or a sweep for that matter. Well, same thing. I'm going to say the Aces have to work for this. They have to work for this. Even though they're, the first two are at home, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Because like I said, like I said before, they have struggled down to this stretch. If it wasn't for the two Phoenix games that they regained some type of momentum, then they'll be running to, they'll be going to the playoffs, uh, they'll, they'll be going into the playoffs with no, with no momentum. Now they just have a little bit of momentum now. And so, but I am going to give it to the Aces with a sweep. If the Aces do what they need to do, take care of Chicago, keep Chicago at bay because Chicago, nine times out of ten, they're not going to beat you. Kalea Carver is going to try, tries hard. I can't discredit her 
but she tries hard. But if you keep her at bay, she's not aggressive enough. Then the Aces have a chance. Now, Kalea Carver goes for 20 points. This, she's giving this guy much of a chance. The only dark horse that I ask for is Courtney Williams. I'm not worried about Marina Bayberry, but Courtney Williams. Courtney Williams will get her shot whenever she can. Her shot is in the mid range, but but at the same time, she can get her shot at any time possible within that, that mid range that I've been talking about. So, what do I think about this series? I do think that this series has Las Vegas all over it, but at the same time, I do think that the Ace, I do think that Chicago could, can, can compete with the Aces if they do the right things. So my number one key is shooting percentage. Shooting, who can shoot the best shooting percentage? Anybody over 50 wins the game. The Aces can go on runs of, of like 10 to 2 or like 14 nil, and that's the game. That's literally the game. So in this case, Chicago's got to stop getting them involved. That's the, another thing. Number one is shooting percentage. Number two is momentum. Keep momentum at bay. This guy may win this series. So let me write down shooting percentage. So shooting percentage and momentum. Because there's going to be a lot in Las Vegas of that momentum. Now, let's get to the Misses versus the Liberty. This is the two and seven matchup. Now, this series. Oh man, this series, this series can go either way. I feel like it can go either way, but the Liberty are gonna win in the end of sweep. So, I'm gonna say this Liberty are gonna win in the end of sweep because. The Washington finally has had their players healthy. They're finally healthy. I just don't see a dangerous team in them like other podcasters have talked about. What makes Washington dangerous, right? What makes them dangerous? What makes them dangerous in my eyes? What makes them dangerous if they have a full squad for like 20 plus games? If El Deladon was there, if Shakira Austin, it, I hope she plays this series. If she's there, then you have Ariel Atkins, you have Brittany Sykes, and then you have uh, Natasha Cole, Cloud, Natasha Cloud, yes. Then you have Hawkins, Hawkins, and Lou, Lou Mang, Lou Mung off the bench. So it does. So naming that lineup makes them a dangerous team, but their passive coach Eric Thibault does not make any adjustments. On the fly, he does not make any adjustments, which is concerning for Washington Mystic fans. Because, like I said in my report on the group page and on the WNBA, which I highly encourage y'all to follow, I said Eric Tebow is a passive coach. He's not like his father, who 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 does who does make adjustments, but he's passive. The son is passive. So my concern for Washington in this series is. What type of team are we going to see? Are we going to see a team 
that is dangerous or are we going to see a team that is going to fall? And what I mean by fall is not having the calls going their way. Having New York go on runs and runs and runs at a time. Now that New York has a full squad. New York has, you know, obviously Sabrina Nescu. They have Jaquel Jones. They have Brianna Stewart. They have Kayla Dorton. They have Courtney Vandersloot. They have Brinaje Lanny, who, by the way, does not get any any praise in this league. I don't know why. And then you have uh, Stephanie Dolson, the big mama. So you have Marina Johans. You cannot forget about her. Remember, remember what I said. I said this when the Commissioner Club was playing. I said that Marina Johannes is going to sneak up to the three-point line and shoot a three off momentum. That happened numerous times in the, in, in the regular season. So Washington does not have an answer for her defensively. If I'm putting Lee Mung on, let's say, Marina Johannes or Sabrina Nescu, that is Sabrina Nescu all day long. That is Maria Johannes all day long. Lee Mung does not have the footwork to guard these perimeter players. She does not. And me personally, I'm concerned. If I'm watching, I'm concerned for Lee Mung's defense. I'm concerned. She can shoot the, the, the three ball, but then again, you got to play defense on the perimeter to keep these guards at bay. Van is not going to shoot the three. Inescu will. Maria Johans will. Renata Nan is going to. It probably it probably is going to probably going to post up either Hawkins or Mung down low. If it's Mung, it's easy. If it's Hawkins, Hawkins may play physical with you a little bit. Uh, just a little bit, but not a whole lot. So you might have so if Lanny's posting up down low. You might have to double if Lee Mung is guarding her. Or Ariel Atkins. I forget, can't forget about Ariel Atkins because Ariel Atkins is, is a defensive player as well. So that's when Ariel Atkins goes out of the game. But other than that, I do feel like El Deladon, if they're going to win the series, def- physical defense has to, put, has to be a factor. So you keep Inescu off the three. You keep Benaji and Lanny from posting up. Then you keep Stewart at bay, which El Deladon has to defend, but they may they may put Ariel Atkins on Stewart and then swish, swish, um, move uh, Deladon to Jones, which, by the way, thank God for depth, right? Thank God for Queen Egbo. They did not make that trade with Indiana. Queen Egbo doesn't have a chance. But then again, she's going to pick up 3,000 in, in like five seconds. That's how bad her defense is. And I say that respectively. So that's that's the key. So my key is for the Liberty. My key is just run your stuff. You're, you're, you're the ultimate best team in the, in, in, in the playoffs. So run your stuff. This is a sweep all over it. And then people will will, will will say, this is not a dangerous team. This is not the team, the same Washington Mystics team we expected. Maybe next season. But 
my key to this is who becomes most fit? Who gets less fouls? Who gets less fouls? Someone write this down. Who gets less fouls? On my side. And who, what? Which coach makes adjustments? Which coach makes adjustments? Okay, so I'll write this down. Then I'll write it up later. So now my final point is Dream versus the Wings. That's a four and five matchup. Now that's been playing here. Now, unfortunately, I cannot go to the playoff game because obviously I have to work a fuck a freaking fucking job. But anyways, um, what can I say about the about this series? This series can go either way. I I really don't have. I really don't. Even though the dream killed killed them in, in Atlanta. I really don't have anything else, anything against these teams. I love these teams, man. I love both the Wings and the Dream. I feel like the the Dream have more of a depth than the Wing do. I just, I just, I, I'm like, I'm torn by this. I'm torn that that uh, I have to choose the two. I just chose a sweep of the Liberty. I chose a sweep of the Aces. I just said Connecticut in three. And then now this one, I don't know who to choose. Because both teams play different styles. Let's talk about the dream for a second. The dream have pieces all over. Sinead Parker, Alicia Gray, Danielle Robinson, uh, Monique Billingsley. Be- 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 then they have Ari McDonald, Ryan Howard. Cannot forget about her. And then they have Aja A.D. Durham. Okay? That's their whole entire team. Haley Jones. They have Haley Jones as well. So I'm like literally, literally torn by this. I'm like, I don't know which, which, where to go with this. But I can tell you this. I can tell you that the dream... Are the more are the more are the more finesse team, but I feel like the wing are, are the more physical team. Satu Sabali, Arika Arika Bumawali, Crystal Dangerfield, um, Natasha Howard, Terry McCallan, Kalea Brown, Odyssey Sims, Misty Maddie Maddie Secrets, uh, Awiki Career. I'm probably pronouncing that name incorrectly. I'm sorry. Um, that's basically it. And then and I'm not worried about Lou Lau skinning off. And by the way, Lou Lopez Sundaball, she needs to play overseas. You can't tell me you you miss a whole entire season with injury and be healthy on the silence. I saw you. I watched you for two games. I saw you roaming around the bench. You need to play overseas to get yourself right. I think she she's gonna play guard on this team next season. But anyways, this I feel like 
Wright will make the adjustments. Tanisha Wright, the coach, will make adjustments on her team. If they lose the first game, she will make adjustments. Now, Sinead Parker is going to have a tough time posting up against McCowan if McCowan does everything correctly. If McCowan gets her in the paint on offense, now defensively, you may not be able to post her up. I'm telling you now. Because with a body like McCowan's, you're not going to post that, post that player up. Now, you got to force it outside to make her guard her outside, which Parker can do that. But then again, uh, the Dream's offense is inside the paint. Ryan Howard can shoot, but I question Ryan Howard's consistency. Ryan Howard is not that great of a player yet, but she could be. She could be once she stays consistent. If she's averaging 20-plus points a game every season that she plays, then I do think I do that anyway. I do think that that Atlanta will win this series. Hey, Alicia Gray, this is personal for her. And it's also personal for Vicky Johnson, the assistant coach of the dream. It's gotta be personal for them. But don't make them lie to you, Atlanta Dream fans or WNBA fans. Don't make them lie to you. That is personal for both Johnson and Gray. Because both of them, especially Johnson, was fired last season. Was fired. And then, um, and then Alicia Gray said, I'm not playing for this coach. I'm going to go follow my assistant coach to Atlanta because I care about her. So this is personal for both those ladies. And I hope they get what they want. But I do feel like, I do feel like the coaching staff will make a mistake. Enrique has to stop shooting shots that when she starts dribbling nine or eight to nine times, this is down the shot clock. She'll make it like 30% of the time. I know this because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it numerous times on TV and in person. Saw two it, it, it is the most improved player. I don't care what anybody says says but she but the dream are going to focus home on her so it was that being said with that being said the dream are going to try their best to, to keep her off her game in order to keep her off her game you got to be physical with her and also keep her out of the game that's all you got to do keep her out of the game now the dark horse is natasha howard nobody focuses on howard because they're focusing on two main players possibly three. They're not really focusing on Chris Dennifer because Chris Dennifer is kind of like a, a, a Danielle Robinson not going to shoot unless she has to. But then again, I favor Chris Dennifer, Dennifer running the office more than I favor Danielle Robinson. So my key is my key is who who drives to the basket more? Who dry, who uh, gets who, who, who gets more points in the paint? write this down points in the paint and then stops who gets defensive stops and defensive stops who gets defensive stops and in this case I'm going to choose the dream in three games I feel like both teams are kind of like the same I'm going to say the dream in three but then again um, I'm not going to be surprised if the wings win it 
Now, I'm not going to celebrate when the Wings move to the next round because there's still a, guy, there's still a lot of work to do if they, move, if they sweep them. But I don't think they're going to sweep them because I feel like I favor um, Rice, Tanisha Rice adjustments over LT's adjustments when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to after game one if they need to do if they do if they need to make adjustments so with that being said everyone I will never like I said I'm not allowed let, let to forget about the ladies so that's it for my WNBA stuff and also let me say this before we leave here let me talk about this Gabby Williams situation and let, let me let me say this as a PSA about WNBA players not getting their way. And I said and I talked about this on Skyler Diggins as well. The WNBA does not care about you. They care about their ratings. They care about who's watching. They care about the ESPN's ratings. They care about Ion's ratings. They care about NBA TV. They care about their ratings. They don't care about play. y'all. When y'all make a statement about, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to play next season. I'm, I'll probably play in 2025. Okay, great, fine. I don't care. Don't announce it. Okay, and when 2025 hits, we're going to have a new branch of players that will come onto the scene and take the WMA to storm. You realize that Andrew Reese and Caitlin Clark are going to be, and a bunch of other players are going to be in the WMA next year. You realize that, right? Who can Listen, we care about those players and the other players that are playing in WNBA right now. Whatever you do, that's on you. We don't care, okay? Are we going to sit there and cry about Skyler and Gabby not playing in WNBA yet next year? I won't. I won't cry about it. Why am I going to cry about two players that don't want to play in WNBA, WNBA next year? I don't care. And then we got, we're going to wait two years down the road to wait on this player. No. If Enrique did that, I'll be the same thing. To do, I'll, be, I'll do the same thing for Enrique as well or any other player. I don't care. That's new players coming in and out in different leagues. That's new players every single year from the draft to free agency. I don't care about players that don't want to play that will have to make an announcement I don't care at all period so please keep your announcement to yourself okay and then next year or in 2025 and whenever you decide to come back you come back but remember remember you have to fight for your spot again because they're moving on and so it's this show now Guys, we're done. I hope y'all enjoyed the WNBA playoffs. Remember, WNBA fans, I don't want y'all to take your eyes off the TV for one second about the playoffs. Because remember, I'm going to come on strong and give you my playoff takes after every game during the playoffs. And also my football takes as well. So the Cowboys play the Jets next week. We'll definitely talk about that. And also, um, talking about college football as well, North Texas plays F, uh, no, no, North Texas plays Louisiana Tech, and also um, Texas plays Wyoming, and, and we'll talk about other Texas stuff as well next week. So, stay tuned, because more is coming. And also, 
I have a little bit of announcement, but I'm, gonna, I'm, but I'm not going to announce it today. All right, guys. So thank you for listening or watching to this podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe because this podcast will be on different platforms. It will be. It will be. And we'll, and I, I will welcome in new audiences to this. Okay, guys? Thank you for listening and watching to my podcast. I hope everyone has a safe week and a safe day. It's, it's Beyond the Game on Fishbowl Radio. Hey world, this is Jamie, host of the Jamie and Genty Show, broadcasting live each week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. from Fishbowl Studios. Log on to hear sports talk from basketball to football and view your feedback on the biggest sports news you want to talk about from around the world. So be sure to log on each week Tuesdays at 12 p.m. to catch the Jamie and Genty Show. Hope to see you soon on Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.